This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm the ghost of your host, Javi, that's now inhabiting a doll. <laughs> and uh, Okay, so uh, due to scheduling conflicts, I think this is actually going to be for the better of the podcast, but we've basically decided to put both Annabelle Creation and Annabelle Comes Home into a single episode. So I'm... We're going to discuss both movies in this episode, and we finally get to wrap up this series so that Javi can stop hating me because I know that part of the reason why he didn't want to talk to me last week is because he still hates me for making him watch the Annabelle trilogy. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was fuming. Nah, I mean, actually, the real story was I simply lost track of time. <laughs> last week was my birthday. I turned the big 3 0. So. I just jam-packed my week with a bunch of activities and unfortunately just wasn't able to uh, make the time for the podcast. So I apologize. I take responsibility for this one. Um, so, Sick of you your know, excuses. Good, because all I am is excuses. <laughs> so. Delayed the recording of this podcast for the last time. Besides to kill you. All right, this isn't Star Wars because I would actually be happy to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> no, today we're going to start off talking about the wonderful sequel that is Annabelle Creation, which is which actually, is, I guess, supposed to be a prequel. It's a prequel to Annabelle and a prequel to The Conjuring. Yeah. All right, so this movie came out the year after Conjuring 2. Which, you know, I also think that movie is a really awesome horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, what two of the things to come out of that movie, one of them is, of course, the Annabelle creation movie. And then the other one is the fact that we later we'd get The Conjuring presents The Nun, um, which I think would come out the year after or whatever. Right. But um, yeah. but this this obviously this thing is continuing to grow. Um, I think all. <laughs> Annabelle, we talked about it the last time we were on the podcast, but obviously Annabelle 2014 was underwhelming. It really wasn't interesting. And I think it came out too soon when people didn't even, I think the people who had made The Conjuring really hadn't even focused on what people liked about The Conjuring and the mm -hmm. Annabelle doll, which is why like, it felt like it had little to no connection to that last one. I think um, it suffered from what something I like to call, and I'm sure other people will have different names for it, but kind of like that pop figure effect where it's like, oh, this is something that we can generate a shit ton of money. So if we like merchandise it and just start cranking out sequels, we can get a lot of merch and get a lot of exposure out. So I feel that as a result, Annabelle kind of became a victim of the conjuring success in that sense, because yeah. a big part of, like you said, 
people didn't know what they wanted. People didn't know what they liked. So for literally the studio was like, you like this now, you sons of bitches. Well, it's a classic horror movie thing. Like, especially in the 80s, like you would get movies that like sequels would come out like immediately after a movie came out to just capitalize on it. That's essentially how Nightmare on Elm Street like is a series that starts in 84 and by 89 they're on part five, right? Like it is because they're cranking these movies out as quickly as possible, and not what, only that, they can. The, you, I think you pointed it out on one of our, I think in our Halloween special where we talked about the sequels of '89, mm-hmm. where the thing about horror movies is that it is such a like quick turnover on your investment. Like you, you're guaranteed a quick return if, on these shoestring budgets, and you know, like for example, just talking about this movie getting it you know i think the budget for annabelle creation was about 15 mil and you're talking about a box office gross of 306.5 million dollars yeah. <laughs> like horror is the only genre that will literally print you money this way all right so this movie uh comes out annabelle creation comes out in 2017 and i think that this movie I don't know that it was as well like publicized as the 2014 movie. Like I feel like that 2014 movie had more buzz around it mm-hmm. because it was coming fresh off that first Conjuring movie. I think the difference between that and something like this is by 2017, well by 2016 when we had the second Conjuring movie, but specifically now like you could see that horror was starting to move in a different direction to where like these kind of studio horror movies were they were like people were kind of into it but where horror was really like making its bones more is stuff like it follows had come out uh the witch or the witch came out someone's um, been listening to too much horror version <laughs> well like just that's you know the witch the witch whatever right um that movie had come out um there was a few others like baba duke and 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 like horror and was we- trending into more of this like you know it was these indie movies now uh like it's starting to kind of elevate the genre a little bit i don't Angel think that it- Angel calls it elevated in horror. I call it scarables. I don't think it was. I don't think there was the popularity for something like this, at least for me at this time, that there might have been for someone else, which is why this is really my first time watching it for this podcast. And I had basically skipped this movie, even though uh, reviews mentioned that it was pretty good and that it was much better than that 2014 film. And you see, like, I was the exact, like, I was, I'm not saying I'm the opposite. Uh, like I think that's just me using contrarian language but like I was a lot in your boat where I'm just like it just didn't do it for me like the idea of the Annabelle to me wasn't the it was creepy but it wasn't the creepiest part and it wasn't what made the Conjuring movies so it's like when you see the Annabelle's getting their own spinoff series it just becomes so it's such a blatant cash grab that I'm just like I don't want to buy into this you know yeah and well, not to mention, too, like, oh, also, the other mm-hmm. the other bit I was gonna say was just, like the whole appeal to the Conjuring was the fact that it was based on true crime stories, and it yes. was like somehow <laughs> these films were based in some way, shape, or form in reality. That even though they had the 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 mark of based on a true story on their on their title cards, it always like 
adhered to some sort of rules. But then, you know, we saw Annabelle last week where fucking the demon just, or two weeks ago, where the demon just kills a priest, like, without even, <laughs> just blows him away with a bunch of wind. And, you know, that's where these movies stop. I, mean, I don't want to say this is where they start going off the rails, but this is where, like, you know, like, you just see a lot of the liberties get taken with the stories. I think with me, I can deal with these movies going further and further away from true crime into something weird and ridiculous if you're going to do something interesting with it. So this movie decides instead of doing the we're ripping off Rosemary's Baby, except we have a lot more bland and uninteresting characters and a really uninteresting storyline to do it with, (laughs) uh, we've decided that we are going to, you know, go back in time, I guess. And, and, and they're basically retconning their own Annabelle origin from the last one, because we, we saw the last movie and the last movie was positing that Annabelle was the girl that was ran off with the Ram cult and and came back trying to kill her family. Mm. And I mean, it, it does make you think that, that that is like, what makes me think that that is still kind of canon is because the Disciples of the Ram do come back in The Conjuring 3, you know, which we didn't like and we railed on before we started this series. Uh, well, understand and- that I will rail on Conjuring 3 again once we get to the Annabelle, <laughs> the Annabelle Comes Home part of this. Yeah. Um, so it's like this one, it's, it's like, no, no, no. It's like that, that, that isn't the Annabelle origin story. This is the Annabelle origin story. Dumb and, idiots. And the origin story that's uh, basically part of Annabelle creation is there's a doll maker. His name is Samuel Mullins. He and his wife, uh, I guess they lost their daughter. Their daughter's name is Annabelle. And in the movie, I guess they nickname her B. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I don't get it, but okay. Yeah. Dies in some sort of car accident. Okay. Um, or... We should talk about that car accident because <laughs> it's really bad CGI. But you're also like, they're not gonna show us kill a kid, and they like pull back at the last possible second because you know you get the scene where Samuel's trying to change the tire on the truck, and then like as he knocks over a lug nut or something that goes rolling into this dirt ass road. You just see this truck hauling ass right next to them. <laughs> and it very much reminds me of the scene, like saying Pet Cemetery, right? Where the where the kid dies or mm. gets run over by the truck. It very much reminds me of that, except it looks goofy because you know, in Pet Cemetery, it's no practical effects, and here it's very clearly like green screen green screen plus CGI mo- like action. It's mm. so like it looks super awkward, especially since they don't pull away until like the truck kind of makes impact. But before you see gore, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's 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 not that it's so bad because it shows you gore or doesn't show you gore. Obviously, you know, the year right after this, we would get Hereditary, which I think does have a cruel, gory like death of a child in it. Mm-hmm. And I think it just it's so much more potent in something like that than it is here. This again, you know, for as good as it is, and I do think it's good. And like the, you know, so so this family, once they've lost their daughter, I guess they open up their home to a you know, a nun and like a you know, cabal or small like gang of like orphan girls. A bunch of little street rats. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean much- like 
Like the idea is that the, the the local orphanage is closing, and sister, what's her name? Sister Charlotte is the one that takes care of the girls. Mm-hmm. So now this family has opened up their home to give them shelter, and so you know they they you know they they pretty much just get let them get rooms, and right away we get introduced to a lot of these girls. Um, Janice being uh, one of them, a young orphan who has suffers from the old polio. And then uh, I forgot what her friend's name was. I believe it was. Was it Carol? I think so. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say that. Unfortunately, I'm. I'm not sure which. Like, kind of like when we did the original Conjuring. I'm not sure which one of these girls is which. But let's say for the sake of this podcast, uh, Carol is the girl that we're referring to. Oh no, I'm sorry. I lied. It's Linda. Linda's her best friend. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, so uh, Linda and Janice are like these unse- these unseparable inseparable friends who and you know like we get we get to spend a lot of time kind of understanding their relationship where Janice wants to be like just one of the other kids but she can't mm-hmm. because of you know she's been crippled by polio and uh, Linda doesn't want to like let her feel different or she doesn't want to let her feel uh, abandoned so mm-hmm. she tries her hardest to kind of like spend time with her and do a lot of things with her. Uh, but they do have this pact where neither of them will neither will get adopted unless they both get adopted. And you know, you get the cute scene where I think Linda tells Janice, and then I can't wait till we both get adopted because then we're gonna be sisters for real. And I'm like, great, you just fucking signed away your death, little girl. <laughs> Thanks for that. What I do like about this, and this is gonna be a deep pull, but I believe it's on. I believe it's on net on Hulu for anyone who's interested in watching it. But okay, this, what I like about the setup of this like movie and like these kids and all that stuff, it just super reminds me of the second season of Fox's the exorcist television series, uh, which starred uh, the main character in that was actually, uh, gosh, what is, I forget what, the actor's name is but goodness he was in harold and kumar what is the gentleman's name uh it's john cho yes he is the star of the second season of the exorcist and in that uh series he's i guess runs a foster home like filled with kids and stuff like that and the the season of the show revolves around like uh the kids dealing with um like it's basically kind of like a like a mystery of which one of the kids is the one that's getting possessed right mm, and okay. that's that's kind of i mean this one it's it's more obvious that annabelle is going to be haunting you know uh the our main character right who who is mm-hmm. who is basically as you said because she has polio she is ostracized from the rest of the group um and she and linda who's the friend are like they do have some interest in the room in their house, which belonged to be. Yeah. Like there's uh and that's when they start, when the girls come in, that's when you notice a lot of like, um, you notice a lot of that's when the supernatural uh, happening starts ha- uh, taking place. Um, you know, like for example, I believe it's like B's door gets unlocked at some point to try to invite the girls into the room. 
Uh, this is where the girls start getting notes. I believe there's the there's the note that Janice gets uh, that says "Find me." That is like trying to invite her to play this uh, hide and seek game with what we believe to be the spirit of B. Um, one thing I wanted to go back to is I forgot to mention is how uh, Esther and Samuel have been kind of affected over the last 12 years. You know, we have Samuel who looks like kind of a shell of a man, just all haggard and tired and has this grumbly Liam Neeson, but from Nebraska voice. And then you have Esther who we never see outside of like ringing her bell and wearing this Phantom of the Opera-esque porcelain mask. Uh, which you only, <laughs> yeah. like you never get the full shots of it, but then you get it like you know in small glimpses, and they do a pretty good job of trying to conceal that. <laughs> but I was like, this is so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, okay, so how like if you watch something like Silence of the Lambs, Silence of the Lambs is the fantastic Oscar-winning drama horror movie. Like you know, it just it it wins all the Oscars. Jodie Foster and and uh, Anthony Hopkins are, you know, they're so great for being you know a part of it and all that stuff. Next thing, then you get the sequel. You're in Hannibal, mm-hmm. and they decide that the villain in that movie should be Gary Oldman, like in this insane amount of prosthetics, playing a guy who like uses pigs to try to like have people eaten it's just like yeah it's really bizarre this is this is kind of like this it's like all right well conjuring was already ridiculous but it's like you can go with the ridiculousness of the first one because the movie was pretty good and it's like now you're you know it's just there's nothing about this that could even purport to be based on a true story (laughs) no not at all like from this point on like this is straight fiction. It literally, if there's any based on a true story, it's the fact that Annabelle is based on Raggedy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and is, I think yeah. we talked about it that part one. It's like just yeah. part one of Annabelle was where we discovered there was no, <laughs> there's no like you know truth to this at all. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but this is super not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we see a lot of uh, the interaction between Janice and Janice, Linda, and the other girls, where you can tell they're kind of isolated. You know, while the other girls like doing things like going out and talking about boys and stuff, they kind of tease Janice and Linda for like not being mature enough. Well, I know I know Linda for sure gets teased um, at one point because she's not like old enough to talk about boys or be interested in boys. Which is really funny because, like, the other two girls, like, there's the two twin-looking girls and then the other two girls that look like they're the same age as Linda and Janice, but they also still bully Linda and Janice. <laughs> and it's never, like, outright bullying, though. It's, like, you know, sibling teasing. Mm-hmm. Um, So we also learn about the stair lift, right? So, like, how this, every, the entire time I saw about the stairlift, they do that weird intro where awkwardly goes slow as Janice sits in it. And it's like, immediately I thought of the gremlins. But anyway, anyway. And so, so did I, obviously. Anytime that I see, like, you know, stair, like those stair machines, I just, I'll never not think about, like, Mrs. Deagle getting thrown out the window. <laughs> and I kind of wanted a callback. I wanted a reference to that in this movie, but I never got it, which made me sad. <laughs> so anyway, 
Um, so yeah, as like the paranormal stuff starts ramping up, um, Janice ends up getting the key to B's room or B's closet and ends up opening it. And that's where she finds the porcelain Annabelle doll. But this is before Annabelle won. So it's like the 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 ball or the doll looks actually clean and pristine and not covered in blood and soot and looking like decaying flesh. <laughs> um so after that, I mean, what, what, what ends up happening is she doesn't know she releases like a, a spirit or an entity or a demon that starts terrorizing all the girls. Um, so like one night, you know, like there's one night where the older girls are, are playing. Uh, they're, they're like telling stories about Esther, right? Uh, they're talking about how Esther supposedly killed her daughter by setting her on fire and she got burned or something. I forgot what the, what the story was. The point is she killed her daughter and she wears the mask to cover herself up and they hear like footsteps walking around them and they get freaked out because they assume it actually is Esther. And when Samuel comes in, he goes, what are you talking about? My bedridden wife hasn't been up for 10 years. <laughs> so they, You know, they do a lot of like your normal conjuring fodder, you know, to try to like misdirect you and get you on edge. Mm-hmm. Um, but one night the demon actually takes the form of B um, and she and, and she starts confronting Janice about stealing her soul and you know you get that part where or you get that scene where like the, the lights go pitch black and she ends up ch- like chasing her through the uh, through the, fir- the second floor and she ends up getting into the chairlift and trying to trying to sneak away uh, and then the chairlift like stops halfway down the stairs, <laughs> and then uh, it ends up like throwing her off the stairs, and where she like gets like extremely injured. Um, that's the other thing that's weird. It's like they're really ramping up the violence in this movie, as opposed to like the other Conjuring films or the other Annabelle films. Like this is the time where I feel like the the demon is actively trying to kill people. <laughs> yes. It's not like in the other movies where it gives off the vibe they're actively trying to like for like drive people to do it or drive people to hurt themselves. <laughs> it's like, oh no, this demon wants to murder you and eat your soul through your heart or some shit. <laughs> and the best part is that this is something that's super gonna continue into the next movie. <laughs> yes. It only gets worse from here on out. So after um after the uh, the the scene in the on the chairlift, um, Linda and like Linda starts being terrorized as well. Um, why am I blind? Oh, Janice ends up getting wheeled out by Sister Charlotte while the girls are outside playing, and while the girls are playing, <laughs> she gets wheeled away by something that looks like Sister Charlotte, which we later learn is the demon impersonating <laughs> Sister Charlotte. So no one sees Janice get wheeled away to the barn where she ends up getting attacked by Demon B again. And at this point, while she's trying to crawl around, she gets mounted by B who ends up doing the, the, the conjuring like possession throw up or the possession vomit <laughs> which i forgot has been a thing but i've now seen it in three movies yeah that's right it i never noticed before that like the demons like are just dropping black demon puke into your mouth like to signify that they have possessed you fully 
I know. Like I noticed it. You notice it with, with Bathsheba, and you think that's just like a gross thing they do. Yes. And and then they do it here, and then they do it again, and Annabelle comes home, and I'm just like, so just don't let anyone puke in my mouth. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after Janice gets possessed, uh, Linda tries to save her and tells Samuel. Um, and she ends up telling Samuel about what happened with them going in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells him that they find the doll. And from for some reason, demons... I, well, I mean, we also talked about in The Conjuring 3 how demons can repair your crippled body the way they did Patrick Wilson's. <laughs> but Janice ends up getting her, her ability to walk back. And she ends up turning into the demon and just murders the shit out of Samuel. <laughs> and it's at this point where I'm like, this movie doesn't give a fuck anymore. No. Like that, like anything that could connect these movies to the reality that is like the conjuring being based on a true story. It's like the Anbo movies are like, nope, you don't know any of these characters, they're dead. It's fine. <laughs> so after that, um, you know, they end up taking the body away. Uh, or they end up taking Samuel's body away and uh, Linda tries to get rid of the doll um, but she, that's when she ends up almost being dragged in right she almost <laughs> ends up getting pulled where sister Charlotte ends up saving her last minute um, and she ends up talking to Esther by she I mean sister Charlotte she goes up and ends up talking to Esther after the death of her husband and um, tries to find out what's going on so Esther tells uh, Sister Charlotte that after B died, uh, they just pretty much wait. They 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 in their in their sadness as parents losing a kid, just were talking, trying to reach somebody that would listen, mm-hmm. and were hoping they could see the daughter again. So what ended up happening is that actually summoned a demon that was willing to kind of listen to them, yeah, uh, and answered their prayer um so that they can see b one more time um however the demon convinced uh samuel to create a vessel for him which was then the annabelle doll which is awesome the it's it's again it's weird that we're again retconning the story from the conjuring one which is the demon asked the nursing students if it could possess the doll you know, and then we're also going to go back to this again. So it's really bizarre that this movie is like so like it feels so much like a one off <laughs> in many ways. But I also like the things that it's doing. Like, you know what I mean? I w- like I would have preferred if this was the canon. Um, I would have preferred if this was the canon uh, like origin for Annabelle. Because the thing is, everything goes back to the to the students. Everything, all the other movies go back to the nursing students about how they gave the entity permission to enter the doll. But I kind of so, like that. Like, I like the weirdness of it. Because even when you watch the original Conjuring and you find out, you're like, how did this demon even start talking to these nursing students? Like, <laughs> you're just really like the curiosity of that just like absolutely like drives me like it just it really does like drive me nuts like just thinking about it mm-hmm. and the fact that this does kind of put it in such a deliberate you know way where it's like it, i like i like it for the purpose of this story 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, beyond this movie, I won't really think about it much. It's probably important to note that the director in this movie is actually pretty good. And um, I guess the reason why he was involved with this movie is because uh, James Wan, like, James Wan really liked uh, his film Lights Out, his short mm-hmm. film, which he helped, like, he helped Lights Out become a feature film and you know uh so it's like i definitely like the scares in this way more than that 2014 movie i think the story in this is a is is a lot stronger you know it's and the characters are just a lot more interesting even though they're not mm-hmm. believable they're just a lot more interesting right it this definitely feels like a movie like this feels mm-hmm. like a movie that was uh, like i i don't know how to explain it other than it is a blatant horror movie that I can get the vibes of 2006, 2007. Like, mm-hmm. from, um, maybe because that was the time that there was a lot of prequels and sequels uh, for a lot of um, for a lot of franchises and shit. But yeah, like I, that's something I haven't really been able to talk about because honestly, it's been a while since I've seen the movie for this episode. But a lot of the jump scare that I don't think it's actually. Let me rephrase that it's not as much jump scares in this film as it is creating the eerie ambiance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what works more for me. Like, don't get me wrong. The, the jump scares are still there, but it very much reminds me of what made conjuring one. So terrifying. And it's the fact that you get the, it does a good job of setting up all the scares and all the horror in this film. Mm-hmm. As and then you know comes the pants shitting terror of the jump scare. <laughs> oh man! So we end up getting the the backstory from Esther, um, and then after agreeing to have the the demon latch onto a latch onto the doll, pretty much the demon is now in search of a human host, so that way it can shit and piss and do all those other lovely human body functions that we all enjoy. Mm-hmm. So uh, one night they tried to, you know, they, they, they were trying to get a human host for it, but uh, the, the spirit ends up transforming into the demon that we know. And we're talking about your very traditional, like reptilian, dark skinned, horned looking. Yes, these and- movies, these two Annabelle movies are going to go deep into demons as you see them in like art books like Mm -hmm. lore kind of deal it really draws inspiration from like your renaissance art which i mean i i think it's kind of like cheap but i dig it to be honest (laughs) well you know i feel like it's a cop-out especially since you had Bathsheba looking so cool in conjuring one but the I will say the 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 makeup work and looks really good for the Annabelle demon. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic, and it makes up for the fact that it looks so generic and boring. <laughs> like even though it's a boring design, it's like no, it's still it still scares me. Like if I saw that in front of me, I'd freak out. <laughs> uh, so the the demon ends up attacking uh, Esther and uh, I think like ripping her eye. God, these movies don't give a shit. I swear. Um, 
so with the help of some priests, they were able to lock the they were able to lock the doll within B's closet. Um, and like you know, they attached a bunch of scriptures to the wall, mm-hmm. um, blessing the entirety of the house to not let the the demons out. Um, so the demon ends up killing Esther, not just killing her, but practically eviscerating her and ripping her in <laughs> half. And uh, ends up attacking Sister Charlotte as well. So the orphans, like all the girls start gathering so that they can try to leave the house. Uh, but Linda ends up getting trapped by the demon uh, within uh, within B's room and possessed Janice or Annabelle Janice pretty much starts chasing her down, trying to kill her with the, trying to stab her to death. Um, Sister Charlotte ends up locking Janice inside the, and the doll inside of the closet um and when the police they end up calling the police who show up to kind of recover the recover the corpse or recover uh, esther's body and the doll but they end up finding no trace of janice in the house mm-hmm. so we're left to uh believe that she just kind of disappears uh and linda goes on to kind of live her life after they're able to kind of leave the leave the doll with the cops and kind of close that but what we end up have, or what we end up finding out, is that who was it? That Janice ends up escaping through the closet wall, and ends up going to Santa Monica, where she get finds an orphanage. There, um, she she becomes very reclusive, but has renamed herself Annabelle, <laughs> and we to the Higgins family, who soon adopt her. Another twelve years passes. And a grown-up Annabelle ends up joining the cult of the Ram. Don't like this. <laughs> and uh, along with her boyfriend, ends up killing her parent, her adoptive parents, across the way from where the forms have been sleeping all along. <laughs> because remember that movie that we immediately told you doesn't mean shit. Surprise, motherfuckers. <laughs> Which That's, which totally feels like a forced coda that they have to put on this movie. Like it really does feel like the director was given the freedom to go ahead and make whatever movie. Like you know, like the crew was given the freedom to give whatever movie they wanted to do. And then at the end of it, it was like, oh yeah, well by the way, make sure that you connect it to this like other fucking convoluted 2014 Annabelle thing. Which again, the thing I hate about this as well as the other one is that it just ruins the simplicity of that really awesome like it's almost like a short film at the beginning of the conjuring one Mm -hmm. it's 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 a weird shoehorn it's a shoehorn that kind of like ruins it because it makes you feel like this has to be in a um in a in a all shared universe right yeah and that's the thing if they didn't include this last part i felt this would have been a strong like b plus movie a good horror movie and actually adds more mystique to the Annabelle like totem because of the fact that now we have differing origins. We don't know what's real. And that's actually cool because like, I think like kind of like you were saying, it adds more mystique to the, to the creature and it makes you like, well, shit, what if this thing just exists and it just exists to fuck with people? Like, yeah. (laughs) So, do we like Annabelle creation, Javi? I this one's weird because like I did like it mm-hmm. 
more th- I liked it more than Annabelle. And I felt like that was what they should have started with was creation. But I'm I'm weird because I didn't like any of the Annabelle movies. <laughs> so I think under context or with that context, yes, I like the movie, but I also just don't like this franchise. Yeah, it's like one of those I'd say the same thing. I like the movie. I thought it was good, but I'll never feel the need to go back to ever watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um the director whose name is now escaping me um gary no not not that's uh david f sandberg yes you want to watch a movie by him that's better you might as well go watch lights out because i actually do think that's a really neat horror film that came out the year before this oh totally like i think and i would love to do lights out one day Mm -hmm. um because lights out is a very i think i think it's like a pg-13 horror movie yeah and the well, awesome thing about something like Lights Out is that it's much like the first, the opening of The Conjuring, it's got a fucking fantastic uh, opening that was a short film in its own mm-hmm. as well. So it's, you know, maybe that's the key. Maybe you just need to, instead of having like full on Conjuring like spinoff movies, maybe you just need to have shorts, which brings me to, I guess, the thing that I didn't know about, but something that's interesting to me and I would like to check out at some point. Apparently, in 2017, Warner Brothers and James Wan held a contest called My Annabelle Creation, and it was like a, it was it was in the lead up to this film, where basically they got people to shoot short films that feel like they could exist inside of the Conjuring universe. Mm. And I guess it said the winning directors uh, get a trip to Los Angeles to meet the director of Annabelle Creation. Uh, and an executive from New Line. So mm-hmm. uh, they listed five uh, five different movies, uh, five different short films. So I think at some point, maybe once we're done recording this or, or later this week, I will check out all five of these films because I'm definitely interested. Uh, one of yeah, them is guess. called The Nurse. The uh-huh. other one is called The Confession. Uh, the other one is What's Wrong with Mom? Um. Mm-hmm. Blunt's Lullaby and Innocent Souls. And I think two of them or three of them? The, were... uh, th- well, three of them are foreign films. Uh, well, actually, four of them are foreign films. Only yeah, one Blunt's was made in the U.S., is... one is from Sweden, uh, one is from Mexico, one is Colombia and the United Kingdom. So I'm definitely interested to see how that but like it's interesting when you go into the Conjuring Universe like tab for uh, Wikipedia, it actually names the nurse and Blunt's lullaby as canon. Oh, so I don't know if those were good enough that they were accepted as canon, and I don't I don't see anything. I I'm think that was part. That. Yeah, that might have been part of the contest that it was something that was that was brought into continuity. But mm-hmm. smart, smart for smart for James One. You don't even have to create it, but it can be part of your canon anyway. And bless right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so Gary Doberman, the guy who wrote Annabelle Creation, is going to come back in 2019 for the second movie in our double feature here. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home, <laughs> which this is kind of the movie that was what got me even interested in doing a series on this because you described it during our Conjuring 3 episode. <laughs> it's essentially... And I think we both discovered it while we were watching this, but almost like 
it's the conjuring if the conjuring was like a disney channel original movie (laughs) (laughs) and i have to admit of the three movies that we have seen in this uh, series despite the fact that in terms of just overall like the film the one that might be the best is annabelle creation the movie that I enjoyed watching the most of the three is actually Annabelle Comes Home. Mm-hmm. I think it is the most warranty of the movies, not just because they're in them, but because it has some heartwarming story attached to it and no one dies. <laughs> well, what I think is pretty neat about it too is it really does take those things that you enjoyed so the, we really are dealing with the Warrens the night that they took the Annabelle doll from those nursing students and mm-hmm. they're bringing it to their, you know, occult museum. And, you know, it's like we're again, we're back with Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, who, you know, obviously we feel how we feel about the Warrens. We're not crazy about them. They're, you know, they're people who should not be celebrated in the way that they are with this franchise. We're not going to continue bashing on them, but we do love Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Yeah. And it's like, if, and yes, give me more of them. Plus it's like, I've had such a negative taste in my mouth from when we watched the conjuring three, that Mm -hmm. it really is cool to kind of see them back in, you know, what feels more like conjuring one and two form. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's just like them as the loving couple. Um, and we're now going to be, I guess, like meeting their, spending a lot of time, more time than ever with their uh, with their daughter, Judy, in this mm-hmm. film. So the basic plot of this movie is uh, Annabelle's brought to the occult museum and it revolves around, you know, Judy, who is uh, Ed and Lorraine's daughter, who is having a hard time fitting in because you know all the people who she knows around town and in her neighborhood know who her parents are and know what they do. Um, and it also yes. revolves around two teenage babysitters uh, who are going to be watching, uh, you know, watching her on this evening where Ed and Lorraine, you know, through the experience that they had getting the Annabelle doll. Uh, they've decided to um i guess that this is a perfect time for them to have a romantic date night as you said long ago in our conjuring three review well i mean it's i forgot what store it's implied that they're going on a mission or they're going on a case to investigate they don't say which case um but it's like what it's supposed to be night that's the other thing about these movies i forget what the years are supposed to be (laughs) so i'm assuming they're supposed to be like in the 70s early 70s yes yeah Mm -hmm. um also we should note that annabelle gets a power upgrade in this one (laughs) because the demon gets the power to summon ghosts and have the ghosts do its bidding and we get that in the scene where uh, where Ed and Lorraine's car like almost dies on the side of the road at a graveyard, and suddenly the ghosts from the graveyard start like pushing Ed into the oncoming traffic. <laughs> but because you can't kill Ed Warren like that, he just fucking like combat rolls out of the way of a tow truck that almost murders him. <laughs> so. 
I'm like, fine, okay. That like give the demon more powers. I already saw it rip a grown woman in half. Who gives a shit anymore? <laughs> Clearly you don't, movie. Well, yeah. So it's like, yes, we get the power upgrade for Annabelle. Um, yeah, and meanwhile, you got poor Judy that's being just like bullied at her school because her parents are demonologists. Because you know, this movie, I think what I find interesting about it and kind of neat about it is it's going in a very different direction from the other movies in this series, right? So because we're with back with Ed and Lorraine, most, you know, for the early part of this movie, it feels like it's part of those conjuring movies, unlike the last two Annabelle movies that we've seen, mm-hmm. where it's like very clear, you don't have the real stars of the show here. So here we're dealing with like all, all these like people who are in the Ouija movies, like <laughs> they're the stars of this now. <laughs> Pretty this, much, yeah. this it's like now we're using Ed and Lorraine to introduce our three younger characters. Um, it feels more like, I think, I think where the joke that it feels like a Disney channel original movie comes from is the fact that it, it, it's, you're not dealing with adults anymore. You're dealing with the teenagers now or the mm-hmm. kids. It's like if Conjuring 1 was only the Perone kids that you were like, or if like Conjuring 2 was only like the Enfield kids, like that you think you were like dealing with the entire time. You know, you still you're still dealing with the nostalgia from Annabelle 1 and all the other Conjuring movies from the 70s because of the style that people are wearing. But that's mm-hmm. not really the most important part of this. And it's like the fact that we're dealing with like all right kids who are having like kid relationship problems judy was having like bullying problems yeah it, it's for being the weird goth girl <laughs> who dresses like hester prin it's super generic and kind of stock but it mm. works because i just wanted something so different from what we've been watching and, and that's what i'm getting different. it is 100 different <laughs> Um, one thing I also wanted to add is I forgot what podcast I know it's from the horror version. I just forgot what um what which one of the hosts say it, but they refer to movies where like your main characters are your kids and getting into rascally adventures as like kids on bikes movies. And this that's the type of vibe I'm getting. And I think I've used a similar phrase talking about like kid horror movies when I was referring to things like the Monster Squad or or Lost Boys or I forgot what other movies we've done. Well, what this feels like to me, to be quite honest, because you're dealing with like older kids and also a younger kid, it's very Halloween four to me. And that's a little bit more of a deep pull. But yeah. if you watch, but if you watch a movie like Halloween four, you'll get what I mean. You know, you're mm-hmm. still dealing with the older, like kind of like an older sibling or babysitter, like you would have been dealing with in in the original Halloween, but at the same time, you're introducing at least in that movie, it's Michael Myers' niece. And it's like, you know, you have a pretty decent kid actor that you're going to be following for the movie. But what makes that movie interesting is that besides just the kid actor um, played by Daniel Harris that you get really into for Halloween 4, you also get really into like, or, or really identify with her older sister or older foster sister character, uh, mm-hmm. Rachel. And it's like the movie is just them trying to get away from Michael Myers. And Mm -hmm. this one, what it does is it's none of these kids are like reprehensible. None of them are trying to do anything like bad. Like even the quote unquote bad kids in um, in Halloween four are not 
like their intentions aren't evil they're just mm-hmm. the, they're just like you know kids doing what kids do uh in that so it's that's the feeling when i get some when i see something like this and it's so different from the other demonic possession movies that i can super go with it yeah everyone's so vanilla and wholesome in this movie there's even the kid that uh but what was his name? Mary Ellen's love interest, Bob. Who they even give the nickname "Bob's Got Balls." But <laughs> well, even you know what though, they are a, they they are wholesome, but they're not as boring as like the characters from Annabelle One. <laughs> oh no, not at all. They're not. Yeah, the forms are fucking boring as shit. Milk toast looking motherfuckers. <laughs> but these kids like have some sort of like at least they have personality to them. Like Bob is a giant fucking goof. You got you got Mary Ellen, who's like the 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 like scaredy but like responsible one, and then you got Daniela, the one with the with the with the daddy issues and kind of like vaguely like ethnic looking hot streak. And then um, well, ah crap, why do I forget Judy again? And they got Judy, who's just like baby Warren. <laughs> yeah she see she it, it it almost makes her I, I the i like the kids on bike thing that you mentioned because in some ways you know i d- talked about halloween four in that like you know you get the the interesting like kid and adult thing but i also do get like she does feel like elliot from et does she not <laughs> a little bit she she's always that other kid the kid that kind of like is different from the rest mm-hmm. she gives off elliot vibes she gives off 11 vibes from stranger things if we want to use something a little bit more updated yeah like the, she, the, like, the freak or yeah, the she, like kid that's not you know that that other kids are steering clear from mm-hmm. but has some sort of and she doesn't really have supernatural powers but it feels like she does because she knows more or less how to keep these things at bay I think they kind of deposit she has her mom's like precog senses, just not nearly as strong. Like there's some scenes where she says like, I can sense spirits or I can sense this. But then again, I don't know. It could be just kids saying shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't wait for my daughter or my daughter, <laughs> my goddaughter to do that to you one day and then just scare the shit out of you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> So as the, um, you know, we're, we're told on a Friday, it's supposed to be her birthday this weekend. Judy's uh, being le- taken to school by uh, Mary Ellen, who goes to the local high school. Uh, Judy goes to her uh, Catholic school, I mean, what I'm assuming is a Catholic school, where she gets, um, you know, where she kind of gets by. She gets picked on for being different by specifically one kid named, uh, what's his name? Something Rios? It's Anthony. Anthony. Anthony or Antonio. One of the two. I can't remember now. It's but. Anthony. There we go. Just found it. <laughs> so Anthony <laughs> Rios kind of leads the other kids and kind of like not actively bullying her, but kind of like ostracizing her and like um, pushing her away from the main groups. When And then we find out that she's re- or he's related to Daniela and that Mary Ellen, um, you know, she come, she she pretty much saves judy from getting picked on by threatening to tell anthony's older sister about it about him being a bully to which he gets immediately scared (laughs) and all the kids you know all the kids disperse uh but i think right after that you get one of the girls that tells judy that she won't be able to make to her christmas or to her christmas to her birthday party 
because her parents say, and I quote, that I'm too young to process death. And I'm like, they're not going to kill people at this birthday party. (laughs) What kind of fucking birthday party do you think she's going to have? What kind of fucking parents are these? Oh, my God. Yeah, these weird fundamental Christian parents. For real. Like, that's what it is. It feels like they're in this small town where... And because of that, you would think they respect the Warrens more, seeing as how the church goes out and looks for them in this universe to solve supernatural crimes. (laughs) But they're like, no, fuck them. They're weird as shit. Oh, man. So... Uh, Daniela ends up showing up to the Warren's house after school. Um, you know, after we get a couple, a couple other scenes, kind of establishing Mary Ellen, establishing Bob, big old goofy Bob. Oh, I love. <laughs> Do you remember the story of why he got, why he's got balls? No, I'm gonna have to look it up at one point. But yeah, like the the joke is that he's got balls because he did something wasn't even related to his testicles, which makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, you know, Daniela tries to get Mary Ellen to shoot her shot, to which Mary Ellen finally agrees that Daniela can come after school. Uh, Daniela ends up telling Bob that uh, Mary Ellen likes her and that he should make a move. Uh, and when they get back to the Warren's house, uh, Daniela gives, um, you know, she's kind of like pressing Judy for kind of some information on the on the on the Warren like uh, occult museum. Mm-hmm. and you know to which judy just kind of responds i'm not allowed to go in there nobody's allowed to go in there like you should probably not want to go in there yeah. and here's where the antics ensue <laughs> and this is where the this is where this movie turns into a disney channel original movie well yeah because the... <laughs> all right who is uh what's the friend's character's name again uh, Daniela. Daniela is, I guess, looking to reach out to her deceased father <laughs> and for some reason thinks that the key to reaching out to her deceased father is going to be the haunted doll, like the demon doll. Like, You can make <laughs> an argument that Annabelle influenced that choice once she got in there. That's true. Because but... in this one, in this one, Annabelle, like, I, I don't think a single time about Annabelle being, like, either the girls from the other two movies that we've been. And to me, th- in this movie, Annabelle feels completely like a evil, malignant demon from The Conjuring 1. Like, this yeah. movie has effectively made Annabelle back to that monster that it was in the beginning of The Conjuring. And that's what pretty much I deposit, or that's what in my mind Annabelle is from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, I think it's really stupid that Daniela is like, oh, I want to see my dad one more time. Let me fuck around with shit I know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I think that if you're going to do something like fuck around with magic and the occult, you should at least do a little bit of homework rather than just literally wa- run around a room with the abandon of a five-year-old in a toy store. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she ends up going in there and she starts like looking for the keys right like she looks for the keys to the cabinet to find um to open the annabelle case and but she goes around and she literally just starts touching everything (laughs) and it's like nope why why do y'all fuck around with things you know nothing about Mm -hmm. and then uh she ends up leaving the annabelle's the annabelle glass case open after she hears 
um, after she hears like a smoke uh, smoke alarm. So she ends up closing the door behind her, but she ends up uh, at this point. Um, Mary Ellen and Judy come back from outside because I think they were letting Judy ride around on her skates that uh, that Daniela had given her as a gift. And there, like, you know, she argues with uh, Mary Ellen a little bit, but ends up going outside to check on Judy because Judy fell and hurt herself. And there they kind of have to talk a little bit about Anthony and what he's been through. Uh, where she ends up telling it, uh, Judy that Anthony stole what's his bed if she ever wants to use that ammo against him. <laughs> and, you know, she tells him to, you know, tr- please try to be nice to Anthony or try to understand because he's had a rough year. Mm. Um, so it's kind of weird to me that it's not like common knowledge to Judy what happened to Anthony's dad. She just kind of like is left completely in the dark. Like, but I also I only say that because I went to a Catholic school as a kid, and I remember it was so small we knew everybody's like, you know, it's a very small tight knit community. You went to yeah. a Catholic school as a kid, and like, it's like you- all these like all this kid drama stuff is it's again it's the it's the teen movie slash Disney Channel aspect of all of mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, like if there is one overall arching theme, it's you know dealing with grief. <laughs> yeah, how to deal with grief, right? Um, but yeah, like it was just weird to me that this small, supposedly tight knit compu- community you would think the Warrens knew about, like the the Rios family and what they went through. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm not gonna get nitpicky about it. So after leaving, um, yeah, so after leaving, right? That it. Uh, you know, they hang out for the night, they order pizza, and I guess after Daniela leaves, uh, Annabelle ends up awakening her minions, <laughs> which include the following spirits. With, or we also get introduced to the spirits. They're kind of like an expo dump between Mary, Mary Ellen and uh, Daniela, mm-hmm. where we get the ferryman, uh, the bride, a feely mealy board game. No, sh- No idea what that is. And the black shuck, which is apparently a black or um, yeah, the black shuck is a what's it called uh, a hellhound that the Warrens apparently went hunting when they went when they went to London or not London, I mean England or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, they're uh, it feels like they're Hellboy. Okay, <laughs> they're Hellboy in the BPRD, just going around fighting supernatural crimes and shit. <laughs> So Bob ends up showing up and he tries to serenade Mary Ellen. Mm. And as he tries to serenade her, she goes out to try to talk to him. He ends up getting attacked by the black shark, which takes the form of a werewolf in the, in the fog. I love the werewolf in this. It, not, it, it, was it was the werewolf cool. scene when I was like, okay, this is fucking awesome because this, this kind of feels like a Stephen King kind of thing like you know like in it when like all the kids you're like oh it knows what you're afraid of and mm-hmm. and, and they they don't do it in the 2017 or 2019 movies but the wolfman and frankenstein and like all those kinds of monsters like the the it demon takes the form of those things in that movie so this mm-hmm. really felt very stephen king to me <laughs> oh no i really liked it i thought the the way the the black shuck moves around and like this like very weightless mode like 
and starts chasing Bob around the pretty much the Warrens, like the Warrens property, ends up chasing him off. And then as like he goes and he runs and hides in the chicken coop for like what we're assuming is most of the night. And so he's hiding there away from the black shuck. Um, and what ends up happening is that everyone starts getting tormented by different ghosts at different times. So, like, you have Mary Ellen who gets uh, attacked by the ferryman. Uh, and the ferryman's really fucking cool. Like, I think the, the ferryman might be one of my favorite ghosts from this, um, from this movie. Mm-hmm. Just because he looks so creepy. And the fact that, like, every time you see the ferryman, he, he has the coins on people's eyes and you see the corpses yes. just hidden An places. Awesome signature. It's what's cool about this movie is that like you're not just dealing with the Annabelle, like you really are dealing with a bunch of other spirits, and it just gives you the excuse, like to again come up with these different memorable characters. And these characters are every bit as memorable to me as the nun or the crooked man from the other conjuring movies. And yeah, like all of them are really cool in their own right, whether you're talking about the bride or you're talking about the black shuck. I mean, black shuck is a fucking werewolf. That's original in this in this universe. But then, you know, you finally like you get the scene where Mary Ellen is like trying to fuck like she's being guided by the the ferryman with the coins. And when you see the two like flow or you see the two eyeballs and she shines the light and you see like the form, right? And as she shines a light, you see it's not there. And it's literally just two coins floating and then they fall. I thought that was so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we're back to really good scares again, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's about setting up the the it's about setting up the uh the creepy eeriness of it. And I really enjoyed that. And then you get um you get poor Daniela, she gets fucking put through the ringer. She ends up getting locked in the Warren's Museum where she ends up sitting in front of a television set that predicts or shows her what she'll do in the near future. Yeah, like on time delay. (laughs) Yeah, which is always fucking creepy. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite, like, scares from Scream is like that. It, It, like, revolves around something like that. Yeah. Or you get the part where she's playing with the piano and then she sees the court like the, the ghost the, hand. <laughs> yes, she sees the ghost hand that she turns out is her dad, and his face is all fucked up, like from the car accident, and he's like yelling at her that it's all her fault. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> this it, demon. And it's funny too, because that feels like a James Wan scare. Like I feel like Insidious and Conjuring are like full of these like gags where they're like it's a demon that just shows up and starts screaming in your face. <laughs> it yes. totally reminds me of like the, the bill ghost from uh, conjuring too. just get out of my house or he just starts screaming in the kid's face. I know for real. It gives off that, that vibe of just a, a screaming ghost. Um, and she ends up like being tormented by a bunch of the spirits. And it's like there, you get that scene where it cuts back to Daniela and she's just covered in blood crying in front of the TV. <laughs> and you're just like, holy fuck, what's going to happen? <laughs> and then, um, what was it? I forgot who. Oh, because um, this is where um, where Mary Ellen puts, uh, she goes and puts, 
what am I blanking on her name? Judy to bed. So Judy then has to, she's pretty much being confronted by the Annabelle demon the entire mm-hmm. night. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got the bride. I forgot what the bride's backstory was. Just like, I guess someone driven to kill on her wedding day or some shit. Um, and, you know, like, it's like, while well, all these terrifying things are happening. Uh, the girls inside the house end up, they, they end up uh, regrouping. But because of like the, fear and like the panic going on mary ellen ends up having an asthma attack and earlier you know we had some foreshadowing when bob was there to serenade her saying that the um what's it called the her inhaler was in her car Mm. so uh judy takes off running so she can go uh get the inhaler from uh from mary ellen's car meanwhile we get the scene where Daniela ends up getting attacked by the bride where she makes her believe she's been stabbed. And as Daniela falls to the ground, she realizes she ha- wasn't actually stabbed. But what ends up happening is she, once again, she gets thrown up on <laughs> and ends up becoming uh, possessed by the, uh, by the bride demon. So as uh, Judy ends up going run or she runs outside, she ends up getting attacked by the black shuck. And it's like right when you think she's in danger of getting murdered and she runs as she starts running back to the house, Bob comes in to save the day <laughs> and he swings his freaking guitar and El Cabong's the shit out of the black <laughs> shack. I love the character of Bob. I'm glad Bob gets his little moment here. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of, especially since he's, he's like hiding and he's scared. Right. Mm. Um, and, and then like he hears the black shuck go after judy so he goes in like superhero mode yeah the reluctant hero in this but you know but he's like the nerdy guy so you can relate to him and you know nothing will make him look better to his potential mate than saving the warren girl and the thing is he doesn't do it because he's like you can tell he doesn't do it because he's trying to like get him Mary no. Ellen's pants. Like he's like, no, I legit <laughs> I gotta save this girl. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's really a good guy, and I think that's why like it it's kind of like why you like all these characters, right? It's like yeah. yes, they have motives, and even though like even the character that you know, even though like you do get um you do get Annabelle get released, like it's like n- none of these characters feel like evil. They all do no. it with 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 understandable intentions and what i was gonna say is bob totally reminded me of when um i forgot what the dude's name was from uh from uh what's it called uh stranger things the bully dude that picked on um the the brother the older brother in season one Oh yeah, his name's like Steve or some shit. The guy yeah. that starts babysitting all the kids, who <laughs> just basically becomes like their older friend. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I, that was the vibe I got from him. I got Steve vibes in the end of season one of Stranger Things, where he's just like fighting off the Demogorgon with the other like teenagers. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. I don't know if that was they were what they were going for in this movie, but that's like the vibe I got it from the dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so after uh, Judy's able to save uh, Mary Ellen, uh, pretty much they, they they decide they got to lock away the Annabelle doll uh, before pretty much all hell breaks loose, yes. <laughs> even like it already has. Um, and then 
Uh, I'm trying to remember where we were going with this. Oh, that's right. Daniela, I forgot before she got possessed, Daniela finds out that Annabelle's looking for a soul to claim. And that's why she's using the, the spirits to try to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so after they, they go looking for uh, after they go looking for the what's it called? Uh, the Annabelle doll. Uh, we get to see Mary Ellen be a fucking responsible ass badass. Uh, what's it called? The uh, babysitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when Judy runs into her room, she's immediately confronted by the uh, demon, by the uh, what's it called? Uh, Annabelle demon, who mm-hmm. she manages to ward away using the Lord's prayer and a cross. Who looks like an actual just like black horned demon. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome freaking terrifying (laughs) and then um what was it uh yeah mary ellen uh goes in manages to save her uh there's this uh priest spirit that's been following judy pretty much the entire film and i guess nothing no backstory is really given to us other than he i guess was a priest from the catholic school she goes to that passed away Mm-hmm. And pretty much he guides uh, Mary Ellen and Judy to where they need to go uh, to collect the Annabelle doll. And I guess one of the things I learned about reading on IMDb was that apparently Mary Ellen is super afraid of the concept of death. And that's why the ferryman picks on her because the ferryman is supposed to like guide souls across the river. Like this is legit she, like Charon, the, the, the Greek ferryman, like from Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. And so because she's afraid of death, it's like this usher of death is the one that's kind of picking on her. So that's why she's the one that has to confront him to go get the, um, to go get the Annabelle doll from, uh, from uh, pretty much where the ferryman is hiding with all, like where she has to confront herself with the, with the coins over her eyes because the herd, spirit or her manifestation is the one holding the Annabelle doll so after she manages to grab it you're left to assume she's fighting off these ghosts and ends up just (laughs) chucking the Annabelle doll out the stairs of this attic screaming at Judy to run and get, uh, get it back to the case and it's like as she's trying to run away she ends up getting attacked by um she ends up getting attacked by Daniela as the you know now possessed by the bride and it's like right when you think Judy's in danger in comes fucking babysitter <laughs> super heroine and Mary Ellen like tackles Daniela and they start fighting again <laughs> I was like god <laughs> damn dude I'm like this chick deserves a fucking like raise for this shit <laughs> so as they're fighting um you know they managed to get their way to back to the back to the Warrens uh museum and they're able oh i forgot <laughs> i really like the scene where the way they save um the way they save daniela from being possessed is that uh judy ends up playing the exorcism video clip of the original br- uh bride exorcism yes stroke so of genius it was awesome because of course none of them know how to do an exorcism but Ed Warren, of course, does. So if you play it, the words are going out. They end up exercising the demon, and it reminds. I don't, don't, I don't know why. 
it reminded me of the scene and i swear to god you're gonna laugh it reminded me of the scene in creed where uh donnie starts shadow boxing with his dad like by putting on the 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 film right so i half expected judy to start shadow boxing or with her dad as he (laughs) exercises daniela oh oh now i know how you feel when i make when i like make a reference to like a really good film when we're watching a really shitty film <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. god this is annoying yeah it fucking the sucks doesn't it the it's just like you like just like a clockwork orange style like forcing my eyes open like to watch what you're picturing right now <laughs> or bird box just holding your eyes open. look at it look at it <laughs> But now you're thinking about it, aren't you? Oh god, you yes. <laughs> oh god. So Judy ends up Judy, Mary Ellen, and Danielle end up making their way back to the uh back to the Warren's trophy room. And Judy using the Lord's Prayer and a cross and trying to ward off the spirits long enough for the girls to finally be able to lock Annabelle in. They're successfully able to do it. Bob comes in with his broken guitar, and I forgot what else. He was carrying like a broken guitar and like uh, a cross or something, just ready to hit something. <laughs> and pretty much, um, you know, Judy tells uh, tells Mary Ellen that oh, because I guess Mary Ellen thought he ran away, mm-hmm. um, but Judy tells her that he actually saved her from the black shuck, um, and pretty much agrees to go on a date with Bob at some point. Um, and you know, come morning time, the Warrens come back from their investigation, and the girls all are you know completely honest and tell the Warrens exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so we fast forward to the day of Judy's birthday, where at first it's just Ed and Ed, Lorraine, and Judy, Ed wearing a party hat, to which Judy says, Just take that off already. <laughs> <laughs> And then Ed, um, and you know, like Lorraine and Ed feel bad because, you know, this is the life they pick for themselves, but not for their daughter necessarily. Uh, But this is kind of like one of those things that blow back on you (laughs) when you're a crackpot. So, um, you know, while they're trying to make her feel better, uh, we get our pretty much our trio, uh, our teenage trio show up to the show up to the party and bring her gifts. And then we also see that everybody comes. <laughs> so they managed to, so Anthony ends up apologizing to uh, Judy and ends up telling all their local school friends that uh, to come to the party. So everyone mm-hmm. ends up taking up her inv- inv- uh, invitation uh, to which Ed says, wow, they just keep coming. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the heartwarming ending of the film where Daniela or where Lorraine ends up inviting Daniela back to the um, back to the museum where she ends up giving her an item that is supposed to help her communicate with the dead. And she ends up telling her that the evil in this room uh, reminds her of the good that's out there. Mm-hmm. So that to not, you know, to not in order to not be afraid of the evil. And she ends up passing along a message to Daniela saying that her dad doesn't think she was she's at fault um, and that she should learn to forgive herself because he, he doesn't mean her. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up tearfully accepting the gift and thanking uh, Lorraine. 
and Lorraine kind of make, tries to make a, a weird connection between them where she was like, yeah, you know, one time I ran away from home for three days with the boy, uh, with an old boyfriend. And then she was like, I summoned a demon and it almost killed me and my friends. <laughs> That's not the same lady. <laughs> and then uh, the movie ends with this joke of Lorraine saying that Ed was the, or, you know, Danielle telling Lorraine, oh, does Mr. Warren know about the boyfriend? And to which Lorraine responds, oh, uh, Mr. Warren was my, was the boyfriend. Yeah. Which, you know, it's again, it goes back to the things that we liked about Conjuring. The Ed and Lorraine relationship, the kind of booby trap scares, uh, the simplicity of the fact that we're not going to explain who the demon is. It's literally just a demon. And And the fact that really this does feel like it's going to take place right before that first Conjuring movie. (laughs) And the film ends with probably one of the coolest ending songs, Dancing in the Moonlight. (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it's a feel-good ending like Mm -hmm. you don't get many of those in horror movies i think the conjuring universe is literally the only ones that you get feel-good endings in you know personally i think conjuring one and this one probably have the best feel-good endings yeah i'm trying to remember if the conjuring two was had a feel-good ending but I don't not coming back to my memory at this point. <laughs> but yeah, that's the movie. Roll credits, and that was Annabelle Comes Home. All right. So did you like Annabelle Comes Home? You know what's funny? I was ready to shit on it again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like after talking about it, I'm like, okay, it's a fun movie. I don't like it, but it's a fun movie. <laughs> It's pretty fun. It's one that it's not as good as uh, as Creation, but I'll probably watch it before I ever watch Creation again. <laughs> yeah, Creation is definitely meant to be the scary film. And while this one does have scares, it's one of those things that it's like, I have no problem with like showing this to my 15-year-old nephew if he starts getting into horror, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it is, it's a good intro to horror movie. Like, and plus, the cool thing is you can watch this without having watched the other ones. Yeah. Since the other, or movie, you can watch it like either right after or leading into the Conjuring one. Yeah, you can literally watch it at any point in the series, and I think it's, I, I think it, it's pretty good. It's not one of those movies that stands on its own because it does depend on you having no already watched the Conjuring or knowing about the Conjuring or knowing about the film uh warrens mm-hmm. but um i mean you can still watch this movie and not have to watch creation or uh, the first annabelle just because those movies muddle up the origins so much um that yeah you don't even need those really but this is definitely of all i think of all the conjuring movies that i've seen just because i can't i can't speak for like Rona. this is probably one of the funner ones and what about you? How'd you feel about this movie? Well, like I like I said to you, I definitely enjoyed this movie. Maybe even more than all than than all of them. I think this has been since any of the official Conjuring movies. This is probably the one I'd visit, even before Conjuring Three, which we already railed on. And uh, it's just yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching it. It was a nice light watch for me. I didn't have to think too hard while I watched mm-hmm. it. It's kind of like the horror movie equivalent of junk food, you know. Sometimes mm. you're not always in a bo- in a mood for like a very good, satisfying steak dinner, which something like, you know, it follows or hereditary or the witch, you know, like those kinds mm-hmm. of things. It, sometimes you do just want the 
you know, Burger King Whopper <laughs> horror movie, and that's kind of what this is for me. King Whopper now. So uh, I also want to point out before oh. hold on, before we mm-hmm. end, I want to point out that in Conjuring Three, the entire thing that the Warrens are worried about is what already happened in their house and Annabelle came home. Yeah, this it's like you kind of don't want to think about it in terms of the broader like storyline of the actual series, mm-hmm. but it's really cool because it it straight up does feel like just a one off like adventure. <laughs> In the middle of this like long running franchise, <laughs> and I am cool when movies or movie franchises do that. Like, go ahead, do more. I think that that's mm-hmm. why some of our are some of our favorite Star Wars movies are the fucking side story. <laughs> yeah, side stories can be fun, and this really does. It, it, this really is fun. It feels like a mischievous like side story. Yep. Anyway, go ahead. Take us home, Angel. <laughs> All right. We like thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, please continue to interact with us on social media and uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and download us on your platform of choice. Um, we have a surprise uh, review that's going to be coming up next week, but the week after that, we will be covering uh, 2016's Suicide Squad leading into the 2021 James Gunn directed The Suicide Squad. Uh, which is premiering on HBO Max. So I think we're in for three awesome like episodes coming up. I can't wait. It will be totes rad. This is like the this is the reward, Javi, for having to sit through all of these Annabelle movies in July. Is now we're gonna get to stuff that you know I, I think is gonna make for maybe the best episodes for us. <laughs> here is hoping (laughs) all right thanks everyone we appreciate y'all listening we'll talk to you guys next week take it easy